Hello and welcome to Industrial Automation It Doesn't Have To. Today we're going to be talking about machine condition monitoring. So join us. Hello everybody and welcome to Industrial Automation It Doesn't Have To. In case you're new, I'm Brandon Ellis and I'm your host and also the owner of Elatech. As we jump into today's episode, I just want to ask you to hit that follow button and subscribe button depending on the platform that you're listening on. And if you're listening on Apple Podcast and you enjoy what you hear today, please go to the show page, scroll to the bottom, and leave the podcast a five-star rating and review. Now that we've got the marketing out of the way, I want to say thanks for tuning in. So let's get started with today's episode. And welcome to Industrial Automation It Doesn't Have To. I'm Brandon Ellis, your host, and I'm here with my good friend Beth Elliott, our marketing manager. Hey, Beth. Good morning, Brandon. It's a little chilly out today. It <laughs> it's doesn't to want to be spring. No. We keep getting these chilly mornings, but I know soon I'll be wishing for a chilly morning. It'll be <laughs> I was wondering what winter this is. Is it whippoorwill winter? Because uh, we had dogwood winter. Yeah, we've had dogwood. There's whippoorwill. There's also a cotton britches winter. <laughs> so these are all winters in the southeastern United States. I've uh, never heard are. of that one. It's, Cotton britches? Yeah, I read about that. That's when they, maybe it's called, yeah, something like that. Maybe cotton britches, cotton short, shirt, something. Because it's not that it's so chilly, but it's it's the time when the old farmers would switch from their winter wear, the heavier uh, shirts and Okay, and, the flannels, okay, yeah, to the cotton. Okay. To the lighter cotton. All right. Because it's going to be warm from for the next few yeah. months. All right, I get it. It's the last winter, and we have like seven, I think. Oh, there's too many. Yeah. So anyway, it's so, interesting living down in the southeastern United it, it States. It sure is. It's also hot at times. So what have uh, you been hearing on the streets here lately, Brandon? It, have we been getting calls about? As far as industrial manufacturing, industrial yes, automation, or yes. just in general? <laughs> in, in, we're going to get on topic. In, yeah. Industrial automation, yeah. yeah. Because there's a global semiconductor shortage that's just giving everyone difficulty. But uh, as far as industrial automation, you mean the cool what all the cool kids are doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we touched on it in uh, one of our last podcasts, not the last one, but the one before. Well, I guess both is automation, but specifically there's a push for robotics in general. Uh, that includes collaborative robots. So a lot of people are trying to automate. I'm not sure if that's labor shortage, well, uh, based upon labor shortage, uh, or if it's labor reduction type moves, but uh, we're hearing a lot of that and doing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I always want to do more, so call us. Yes, yes. And the restaurants are having a hard time finding people to work, so the restaurants are having a hard time. Too. We're on the, we're coming out of the, of the pandemic, which is good, but you know there was a lot of pain going into it, a lot of pain certainly during it, mm-hmm. and now it's interesting to see the pains of coming out of it. So f- food shortage in the restaurant industry. Uh, I remember this time last year we were discussing. Uh, farmers having to throw out spoiled food because the restaurants weren't there, the schools were closed, mm-hmm. so there wasn't any place for it to go. Well, now they've adjusted, and now everybody's thankfully going out to eat again. Schools are going to be, of course, it's summer, so that'll help. But as as kids get out for the summer, but some schools are year round, so uh, lunch lunch rooms are going to be bustling again. Restaurants are going to be bustling again. So it's great to see the economy coming back. But it's going to take some time to get the machine going again. Yeah, yeah. And what about that semiconductor shortage? Well, that's that's just that's affecting everybody. And apparently, it's because 
or so I've heard, uh, is the fact that during the pandemic, everyone decided suddenly or had to suddenly use electronics. So all of your remote meetings, your web-based things, all your devices that you were using, but also uh, they cited video game usage was <laughs> through the roof. So, and, and I guess maybe Netflix and that kind of stuff, you know, the, the streaming videos and things of that nature. But uh, just it's interesting how we were unplugged from the office and unplugged from society, and so our, our need for virtual went through the roof. And so social media and all those things have been blamed for the the uh, run on the 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 semiconductor market Uh, so but now it's affecting everything from automotive to uh, general electronics things of that nature and so yeah it's making life kind of difficult right now so hopefully that'll be short-lived you know there's there's a saying that being too busy is a good problem to have but it doesn't it it can hurt during the during the adjustment Mm -hmm. so hopefully that's not too bad the other thing i've been hearing a lot about is machine monitoring yeah. And that, of course, is what we're going to be talking about. So hit us with the, the title there. Beth. All right. Today's title is Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to be unmonitored. That's right. So do you want to hear what Wikipedia's definition of condition monitoring is? If it's on Wikipedia, it has to be true. I suppose. <laughs> Typically, it's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So condition monitoring is also CM. And Acronym? Yes. <laughs> Condition monitoring. <laughs> it's the process of monitoring a parameter of condition in machinery, vibration, temperature, those kind of things, in order to identify a significant change, which is indicative of a developing fault. It's a major component of predictive maintenance. Great job, Beth, and Wikipedia. Yes, but I want to know, and I think the <laughs> listeners would like to know, what Brandon's definition is. All right, so <laughs> what do I think? Well, I think condition monitoring is certainly important, but I also think there's a lot of marketing surrounding it right now. Yeah. I think there that if you can wade through the marketing and sales pitches, uh, you can get some really, really awesome stuff. And it really comes down to what you're comfortable with in that regard. And so we can talk a little bit about that. But but in general, condition monitoring is is monitoring something. Marketing would have you monitor temperature and vibration. Yeah, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, and, and, and maybe humidity. Okay. Uh, but technically, you can monitor anything that is of value. Uh, I don't know if you recall when we had our the uh, preventive maintenance uh, podcast yes. with Carrie, mm-hmm. and he and I kind of got into a, a little bit of a, a debate about what exactly is a key performance indicator, a KPI. And I said, I feel like a KPI is anything that's key in determining your performance, and it's not a specific thing or a specific formula because, you know, different things can be very telling to different people based upon their expertise within their process. And so just because I see a temperature rise in my process on, on a certain motor or bearing or something like that does not necessarily mean that a temperature rise for someone else on a certain thing or environment will mean the same thing. And so it really comes down to the fact that everybody knows their process and they're experts. They should be experts at their process uh, more than, you know, the marketing at some manufacturer that's making condition monitoring equipment. And so 
if they think about it from that standpoint, they can do some really fantastic things. And so that said, condition monitoring is monitoring, I'll say, something that is significant to your process that's going to hopefully prevent something from happening or can even take care of something before it happens. Oh, now that's another level there. That's right. (laughs) Now, when we were going over this, you were talking about some similarities between product data and process data. Is that what you mean? That's what I'm getting at. Okay, okay. So if you're measuring, uh, let's say vibration. Okay. During that same carry Donovan podcast when we were talking about preventative maintenance I made he he actually was referencing a previous podcast where I used a podcast uh, did I say podcast <laughs> it's, it's it's early and I'm apparently tired if you're just we talked about a refrigerator and and about what I was talking about indicators what indicators were enough so if it was just enough to know that the refrigerator is running did it really tell you what you need, needed to know, that the refrigerator was actually cooling, that there was food in the refrigerator or not, that the food was good or bad? All you know that it's running, and everything past that, beyond that, is, is an assumption. And so if you're measuring just vibration on a bearing or something like that, and that's typically what we would do, is we would, we would measure these things. And then I'll also say... The cool thing about condition monitoring is a lot of the manufacturers are developing some some really cool capabilities as far as sensors and things of that nature that are going to give us the ability. We've referred to it as the EKG method before. Yeah. The ability to grab data without being invasive. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And so we're talking about condition monitoring sensors. And then those connect to a system and things of that nature. But those sensors uh, can be attached on the outside. So in this scenario, and it's a common scenario, we would put one of those condition monitoring sensors, which measure vibration. That's done with what's called an accelerometer. And usually you have three accelerometers in each direction, X, Y, and Z. Okay. Because vibration doesn't always happen in one direction. But you may only be interested in one direction for your process. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yes. But nevertheless, if we're just measuring vibration on a motor bearing, and we're looking for, I think Wikipedia said, a, uh, uh, a significant change is, mm-hmm. is the term. And so we're looking for a change in that vibration. Well, just because we see a change in the vibration doesn't mean the bearing's about to go bad. Especially if we're, mo- we're monitoring it from millions, not millions, hundreds of miles away. Maybe millions, maybe you're in space. <laughs> um, but because what, you, what may have happened is someone may have set a, a new piece of equipment next to it that's a big old multi-huge tonnage press or something that's just shaking the earth every time it strikes the dies and, and it's picking it up. Yeah. So you really need to know more about what's going on. So that's where we bring in temperature. So if a bearing is starting to vibrate and we see the temperature starting to change, usually when a bearing's about to fail or just before it fails, uh, it's a process, in the process of failing, uh, there's more friction. More friction equals heat, and we see a temperature rise. But you also have to make sure that someone didn't install something that is exhausting from an oven oh. and hitting the sensor. So you have to use some logic about it when you're installing them to know what you're looking for. Uh, So a lot of times we will take an average, but yes, absolutely. Just like the refrigerator, uh, we want to 
decide what is our key indicators and then what is considered a significant change and then usually does that change maintain itself so i mean in the scenario of the press if the press stops running and all the vibration goes away and then all of a sudden it comes back you know you can start putting connecting the dots on those things the interesting thing is when you start trying to uh well, we'll get to that in a minute. Try okay. to try to do that automatically, but we'll get to we'll, we'll circle back to that. Okay. So for right now, most of the time, we're just monitoring. Okay. What equipment is typically monitored? Uh, like I said, things things that usually rotary bearings is is where a lot of people tend to go with this. But but we are we are being asked to put condition monitoring sensors on robots. Oh. And of course, that's a bearing, but uh, on each each joint or each axis, things of that nature. If you're looking for those bearings to to start wearing out and the harmonic drive systems and things of that nature. And so, but, but usually it's, it's anything like a gearbox or reciprocating a pump or centrifugal pump, those kind of things, pumps, electric motors, combustion engines, even any, anything that we're usually monitoring, we're usually monitoring for vibration on a bearing. That seems to be where everybody likes to be. But you can also do it on like a hydraulic system, things of that nature. So you're monitoring the temperature uh, on the return lines uh, of the uh, of the hydraulic fluid. If it's starting to go up, uh, maybe the cooler is not working, things of that nature. Uh, if the compressor is starting to uh, work harder than it should, or the pump, then you're looking for temperatures as well as vibration and things of that nature. So again... Those are those are a few things, and then there's also humidity. Okay. Um, the humidity can be measured as well, just the environmental type components. And so, if if the humidity starts going up and it's supposed to be managed by an HVAC system, things of that nature, then you might be able to say, you know, the compressor bearing is vibrating, the temperature is going up, and I'm seeing the humidity move. And maybe you know, maybe you're measuring room temperature as well. Then you can say, okay, the air conditioner compressors going out it needs to be fixed is it where is the sensor placed when you're doing humidity measuring i i is I, it, I think it i think it varies based upon what you're trying to do oh okay and that i mean because every process has got to be different um maybe you stick it on the wall maybe you actually put it in a machine maybe maybe it's inside the ductwork. oh okay um, you know i, I don't know okay. I, it, I think it's a i think it really comes down to Every process is going to be measured differently. Okay. All right. There's a lot of places that you can take your temperature if you're a human. Uh, yeah. Some, Some are more, more invasive than yeah. others. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so does every parent out there, I'm sure. Um you know, so we want to do it as less invasive as possible. Well, I think that's the point is we're trying to... We're trying to see what the heart's doing without doing open heart surgery okay. uh, is usually the, the goal. And again, uh, this usually comes down to, for most plants, from my experience, this is more a maintenance and predictive maintenance type of goal and handled by maintenance departments, facilities departments, uh, less so than production engineering or controls engineers that are more about production and getting things out of course maintenance has to be over all that yeah <laughs> so you know the maintenance guys are having to be experts at everything yeah uh, but but yeah i think i think that's it the the thing that bothers me a little bit about the marketing though 
is everybody wants to wants you to use their sensors. A lot are pushing for cellular-based cloud connectivity and then pay them a subscription to monitor your stuff for you. And then they just send you an email or a text telling you it's out of it's out of level. Yeah. Or their system, you can set it up yourself and not pay them, but it's still going to just send you an email or a text. And that's pretty good. You don't have to have somebody sitting there watching all the time to notify you that something's happening. So that's one of the traditional techniques. Yeah. I, I, of course, I guess the most traditional is you don't have anything electronic. You just have somebody sit there and watch the dial. And if the dial goes out of the red, actually, I'm sure there's plenty of plants that have a, a schedule where uh, someone is assigned to walk around a certain area and check gauges, make sure everything's in the green, that kind of thing, an acceptable level. And if it's not, then we need to take action. Maybe they go once an hour, once a day, twice a day, something like that. Uh, but in this case, condition monitoring has a lot of, of value because it can monitor 24-7. You know, every usually we don't do every second. I mean, temperature can only change so fast usually. Mm-hmm. If it's changing really, really fast, there's something worse going on, uh, typically. But uh, so you don't have to measure temperature. It's not like a high-speed data log situation. Uh, but still, measuring it fairly constantly, and and there's nothing wrong with sending a text or an email yeah. to say you know this this sensor is seeing something that's significant change. The problem I've got. Do you remember? Do you remember? Maybe our listeners remember some years ago. I don't remember who it was. It was an identity theft or something like that. Commercial company. Yeah. And uh, they talked about the difference between being a a, a credit monitor versus whatever they like were. a credit repair. Yeah. Something okay. Like that. Okay. So they and were. The jokes were always, you know, the house is on fire. Well, can you put it out? No, I'm just a house fire monitor. <laughs> okay. So I'm not actually going to do anything. I'm just, just going to be Captain Obvious and tell you something's going wrong. So that's what that cell cellular uh, alert and text are doing? Well, it, whether it's cellular or not, that's, that's what I feel like when... And maybe that's enough. Maybe that's okay. enough for the person. It really comes down to what the process is because you, you certainly don't want a third-party company trying to fix it remotely. Yeah. I wouldn't. Uh, and, and, you know, the cellular stuff, you you know how I feel about that with the IT guys. And I feel like that unless the IT guys are, are checking it off to say it's okay, that, that introduces a potential vector being cloud-based. You may not know who's managing the server. Cloud-based means you're just renting your server space and hoping someone else keeps it secure. And for your IT experts and secu- cybersecurity experts, they can't honestly say that it's secure that they know it is because they're not actually managing. Yeah. Whereas the hosted server, the servers they manage, they know they're keeping up with it. They yeah. know how secure or unsecure it is. Uh, so not having that control doesn't always set well with many of the IT uh, engineers, network engineers, and cybersecurity folks that I, I'm, I'm friends with. Yeah. And, and rightfully so. I mean, if it's out of your control, you, how can you possibly guarantee it? Yeah. But out, stepping outside of the cybersecurity with the cellular, it's really they may they, they may not be cellular. They may give them direct access to a cloud-based system, but most third parties are not going to do something about it. They they're just letting them know. They're just going to let you know. Yeah. So my question is, what if you had the ability to monitor, set up your monitoring, but also had the ability to do something about it? Yeah. 
like automatically? Well, if the temperature, if if you're monitoring an HVAC system, okay, and you're you're seeing or or a yeah, let's say you're monitoring an HVAC system in a room, you've got to keep the temperature at a certain level, things of that nature, and or you're monitoring a machine with a heater on it or something like that, and you've got temperature controls on it. Temperature controls are set, and you're seeing that suddenly the temperature is going above a certain level. You could send a text and say, this temperature is going too high. Uh-huh. But why not? If the if it's not a critical, now if this is a nuclear reactor or something like that, I mean, there are processes that I agree with, with production management and folks that say, if this happens, I want somebody to have to go down there uh, and take a look and see what's going on. You know, I'm not being all-encompassing, but I have to ask the question, what if you had a system and it wasn't you know, anything super critical, that if the temperature went too high, it would interface with the temperature controller and say, bump down your set point a little. Oh, that's that's the other level, isn't it? Well, that's what we call machine-to-machine artificial intelligence. Okay. AI. And M2MAI. Yeah. Right, <laughs> M2MAI. Um, yeah, so, I mean, automation is what... We do. It's what we seek. Robots. Mm-hmm. We we would love to have a robot that had enough intelligence, and we're trying to do that to learn. When I do this process, I need to do it this way, and it works. But this way doesn't work. So we use AI and sensors to pass fail things. We we where it learns all the possible. You know, it says this is a bad. I think, and we say nope, that's a good, and it corrects it and says, okay, I'm going to remember that this situation is a good from now on. And as it builds up its knowledge of goods and bads, it begins to learn that way. And so it has more data to compare for. That's mm-hmm. that's artificial intelligence in, in, within machines. Well, if we can do it on the line in real time while we're looking for goods and bads and products, why not take condition monitoring one more step and let, and again, I, I think, I think that it's reckless to have an outside company do this third party because they don't know your process. They don't know your process. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to be able to take ownership of it. And I'm sure for some folks, maybe most folks, that that's the part they're just like, we don't know how, we don't have a way to do that. And that's true. Most condition monitoring systems out there are just going to tell you. Okay. Except for one. Yeah. Tell me about it. Tell well, we, us about it. <laughs> we have partnered with, in more of an alliance capacity, with a company called Balaf. B-A-L-L-U-F-F. That's right. And Balaf has been around, a European company, been around for decades and decades. And they make condition monitoring equipment. Okay. And mainly they make a condition monitoring sensor. Okay. It's called their BCM sensor. And what I've been really, what I love about it is it's about the size of a postage stamp. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And it's got three accelerometers. It's got a thermocouple. That's for measuring temperature. And then it's got a, what's the word? Hygrometer. Oh, am uh, I yeah. remember that? Yes, hygrometer. H y g r o m e t e r. Yeah, you had notes. I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hygrometer. That's the measurement of humidity. Humidity. Yes. And so they have that all on the size of a postage stamp, and we have taken at their request, uh, and ours too. We have used our IOTA platform to connect directly to there's multiples of these sensors and have integrated in with the dashboard and the visualization and things of that nature. And it's all hosted 
it's not a cloud-based Internally. deal. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, based upon those levels, we can change certain things. Uh, we can certainly notify, but we can change things on the dashboard. We can change, you know, things from green to red and, and flashing and things of that nature on our dashboard. But we can also, or the user can also, the user is empowered to be able to easily, if we can communicate with whatever it is, a temperature controller, things of that nature, to say, turn the temperature down. It can run an equation. And here's the reason I say that, because when I've had, I've had a lot of conversations, especially in the last few months, about condition monitoring with folks. And um, usually what, what I'll ask them, tell me about it. Walk me through what happens. Uh, well, you know, the, the, we find out that there's a problem. Somebody notifies that it's a problem. In this case, that would be just like the automated system gets sending you a text. There's okay. a problem. I said, what do you do? What process do you go to through mentally? And usually uh, in most systems, they'll say, well, if it's supposed, if it's here and it's supposed to be here, we'll just drop it by the difference or, you know, drop it by some amount and see what happens. And then maybe drop it a little bit more, you know, sometime later, uh, if it's still out out of level, things of that nature, be it pressure, temperature, whatever. They're just working equations in their mind. Now, a lot of times they're rules of thumb equations. And so if you can build those into an equation, that a machine can do, and if it's fairly repeatable, why not? Yeah. Why not let the machine do that and text you to say, there's a problem, and I fixed it with these values. Okay. And then, you know, give them a chance to override. Uh, that's amazing. Why, why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, so we're excited about uh, about working with, with the Balif. Uh, there's, there's a lot of companies that make condition monitoring systems, but uh, I've not seen one smaller than in form factor than, than the Balif little sensor. And ours connects up in just under, what, five seconds if you can type fast enough. So it goes out, finds it, reads all the information in instantly and is ready to go, which is pretty much the case with IOTAs anyway. So the setup's very, very minimal. And then our dashboard, drag-and-drop dashboard, is just the same as always. Uh, you can just assign it to those sensors. And and, and then you there. can display that data wherever you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, so they could you could have a visual. and I think the visual is important, especially yeah. charting and things of that nature. That's what most people are after. And that's, that's not just condition monitoring. Even if we're pulling production data off the, off the machine, nobody wants to look at it. just a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet. That's kind of yeah. like the matrix screen. <laughs> uh, they want to see, you know, gauges and speedometer needles and bar charts and line charts and those kind of things because that's what we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I'm not talking about a report. You know, a report is usually something that you run after a process or at a certain time to look back on the last hour or six hours or something. You know, the other thing the IOTA can do is it's got the internal database. So those sensors, I said earlier, if you're trying to look for a significant change, you really need to be able to take, create a, a trend uh, oh, well, from the historical data? From the historical data. Okay. So the sensors can do that, and they they do that, uh, but there's only so much memory in something as small as a, yeah, right? a postage stamp. <laughs> and so they're, they're looking at it, you know, over a, a, a short number of samples. But we can actually tie that into or move it into an external database even to where it can be monitored on a larger scale to say, I want to see what the profile has been over the last hour, days, weeks, year, and create a trend line from that and compare them to see a more broader range to really know 
that there is a significant temperature change. Because in any manufacturing facility, especially if they don't have climate control in the in the facility, and especially down here in the south, yeah, this morning it's cooler in there than it will be in probably two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it'll be significantly warmer probably in two weeks. You know, our, our winter always hangs on down here, and it's spring for like a week. And then it's summer mm-hmm. for the rest of the summer. And so high humidity, extremely high temperatures and things of that nature. And it only gets worse the further south you go. Uh, so you really need to, just because we had dogwood winter and then tomorrow was back to 80 degrees or 85 degrees or 90 degrees, doesn't mean that you have a significant change on your bearing. So that said, I feel like that you really need to be able to have the capacity to look in a, in a wider range. Now, will we be able to, to on our IOTA, you know, the edge-based database server, be able to store a year's worth of data or two years' worth of data? Probably not. But we could at least get, a you know, weeks, months. Yeah, but that can be pushed to an external. Push that upstairs to yeah. an external okay. server. And, and that could be cloud-based even. Now, if you're going to do cloud-based with us or if you just want to make it, you know, have your IT professional put it on a public-facing IP address or assign me a static IP that is uh, publicly viewable. With our with our device, you get all the cybersecurity of the the hardened you know the hardened gateway properties of it. So not cloud-based, but it can feel cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the the oops, I hit the microphone. <laughs> the gate, the hardened wall, the gateway. So if the vector comes in, and even if it's getting slammed, yeah. So let's put that in brand, it, brandology yes, analogy please, world. Yes. Imagine a room with one door. Okay. No windows. Okay. And and a, a a thief is trying to break in and bust the door down, and that's it. There that that's all he's got is the single room where he came in. So the only thing he can do is go back out the door that he just knocked down. There's not another door or nor, another passage to get to. And so that's kind of the, the scenario or the analogy that I use when I'm talking about it. So that's how ours is designed. And so even with denial of service, they may shut down the port, but it's not going to do anything. It's just not going to let you see your your data until they quit and the unit resets and starts showing it again. So the only thing it has access to then is, is that port. Okay. So it's a bit more secure. Now, again, you've heard me say nothing is totally secure. Yeah. Uh, I had it told to me one time uh, this way, the most secure you have in this United States is maximum security prison. Okay. And so you don't want, you don't want most secure. You can't, you can't function in that. And so no, but if anybody tells you theirs is totally secure and impenetrable, uh, walk away. Yeah. Yeah. But, but ours is pretty doggone good. And so, uh, uh, but, it, but if that's what you want to see, if you want to be able to see it from home or see it outside of the office or have customers look at it or whatever, yeah. then I wouldn't give them the capability to override. No. <laughs> but uh, if it's monitor only, you can do that with the dashboards. Okay. But the part that I do think is you can create a, a secondary uh, means of, of override, but uh, and there should be an override, but... Is for the system. Consider the system making the changes for you. Yeah, that's, is that called smart condition monitors? The, no, that's a, the accelerometer. Are you reading your notes? Yes, I am. 
<laughs> well, you read that very well. Accelerometers measure vibration. Okay. But smart conditioning monitor, you could probably trademark that. Yeah, well, I... Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just coined because, a term. <laughs> yeah. Because... So... Smart so conditioning SCM, monitor. <laughs> you need to get on Wikipedia and start writing about that. Okay. Um, yeah. So... SCM. Smart conditioning monitors. That's right. <laughs> So you heard it here first, folks. Uh, I don't know if that's a real term, but it's not a bad term. But that's what it would be, is a condition monitoring system monitors. A smart condition monitoring system can... Change it? Can make a change, fix okay. it. Okay. And not just be the monitor. Okay. All right. Right on. <laughs> so condition monitoring certainly uh, certainly is a buzzword right now. And a lot of people are looking for that. And why? Because you can also, with our system anyway, you can also... Interface with a CMMS system. Okay. What does the CMMS mean? CMMS, Computerized Maintenance Management and Software. Does that sound right? System. System. Oh, you had the answer. That's another acronym. (laughs) Computerized Maintenance Management System. Yes. But it's software. So you could put that with it? Well, you can communicate with it. So oh. if you're if you're going to send a text or an email, don't just send a text or an email. You could also uh, send something if it gets to a certain level to the CMMS system. And I mean, the whole point of most of these systems is predictive maintenance. Well, CMMS is is what the maintenance most maintenance departments use to uh, schedule. You know, a, a, hopefully. Uh, a predictive, kind of a predictive scheduled outage okay. uh, to replace something. And that's what we're shooting for is to replace the bearing before it actually fails. Mm-hmm. Because when it fails, usually you're not ready. Yeah. And that results in downtime, unscheduled downtime. Yeah. And so to be able to schedule for it, which means production can can ramp up and, and build inventory levels and prepare for, you know, be down a day or two days or however long it's going to take. That's where the CMMS systems come into play. And so they manage all the resources and the time requirements. Oh, so and the people, they met schedule time off, that kind of thing? Or? Sure, yeah. They work with maintenance would – I don't know that CMMS system gets into resource the, uh, the resource management of the production oh, systems. okay. But it would certainly create a schedule for production to see and for maintenance and production to coordinate on to say we're going to take this, this machine or this line is going to go down – we're gonna we're gonna need it for a day this week or something like that, and so production can prepare for that. Okay, okay. And that's that's predictive maintenance. We're predicting that this thing needs maintenance before it actually needs maintenance, which means it's broken. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to change things before they break, and that's really the point. And these sensors will kind of give you that EKG peak into the system without being invasive to know that that's going on. Uh, you know, we, when we were talking with Kerry uh, Donovan uh, at Pathway 7, that's his system that he's put together that uses our IOTA as the basis, is that he's using that to interface with the CMMS software suppliers that he works with so that he actually takes it a step further. You know, I was talking about fix it. Well, what he does is when he, with his system, when it gets to a certain level, it notifies the CMMS software to say this bearing or motor or whatever we've assigned it, he has assigned it as, needs to be maintenance. And so that creates a ticket, oh. a, a work order basically, oh, okay. yeah. in the CMMS system. And mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah. But then it also interfaces... If he's, if he's doing their maintenance monitoring for the plant as far as parts monitoring, it's, it 
signals his system to go ahead, check stock, get the parts coming, and email the people saying these parts are on the way, they're needed for this downtown session and everything. And so it all happens automatically. That's fabulous. Yeah. That's like the refrigerator telling you, you tell the store. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then ordering it from wherever and you go pick it up. <laughs> or even better. They Somebody shows it. up at the door with it. <laughs> yeah. That's that's exactly what, what he's got put together. And, it, and it's machines. really cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. It, I mean, th- by, by the general rules of IoT, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so we talk about industrial IoT mean, being just get plant floor data and work with all the ERP systems and things of that nature. But he takes it a step further and not just involving maintenance with the CMMS, but he also gets purchasing involved where it automatically will will say these parts are needed, get them on the way. And so at the time that, that you're ready to start your predictive maintenance, you know, the down, the, the predictive or scheduled downtime, uh, you have your resources managed, you have your your production managed, and now you also have your parts there. Yeah. Is, would you consider that Industry 5.0? Maybe. Because, I mean, 4.0 just seems like some, I don't know, monitoring. But then you go to 5.0 and yeah. it's ordering the stuff for you. And Why not, predicting- Beth? <laughs> You're taking us to smart condition monitoring Industry 5.0. <laughs> I need a sound for that. You need, yeah, you, you know what you need. <laughs> Beth Elliott, Industry 5.0 Podcast. Maybe we start a new podcast that you host. No, uh, no. <laughs> I'd have to have a, a guest. Like, you're you the would vi- have to speak the t- ah, You're the visionary. <laughs> no, I, I mean, who knows what Industry 5.0 is going to be. It's the next industrial, that'll be the next industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. And some folks are already trying to claim 5.0. But, uh, you know, Industry 1.0, the first industrial revolution, was when we learned how to use water and steam. Uh, and then it kind of goes from there. Yeah. 3.0 was the advent of really the PLC or using electronics for uh, controlling production, computers, I guess computer chips to control production. And then 4.0 is when we start having things work together. Mm-hmm. And, and really 4.0 is, by definition, a smart condition monitoring system where we look at something we see it's out of limits and if it stays out of limits for a time or based upon some type of criteria we communicate to that other machine that's m to m machine to machine it automatically one machine communicates to the other machine and says you need to adjust and this much and they say okay we're adjusting and so that and then they learn from that that machine will learn and say okay when I see this, these conditions, I need to, you know, the, even though it feels right, I need to adjust. And so we begin to do AI. And so that is Industry 4.0. Okay, nice. Yeah. So do you want to, the Balif sensor, do you want to go over, I mean, I think we should have a web uh, page on the website, but I'll put it on the show notes. Okay. So um, you guys, after this show, just scroll well, down to well, the notes and I'll have something on the so really quickly, what we've done uh, is uh, we have worked closely with in alliance with with Balif. Uh, we have their their sensors, their condition BCM is the the series name of their sensors, and and of course it's IOLINK sensors that are coming to uh, one of we don't really care, but either the Ethernet IP or the Profinet. I don't think we can we can't do the EtherCAT, but the Ethernet IP or the Profinet. And we're not that that's the coupler that it has to connect to. Okay, but we don't need Ethernet IP or Profinet. We're not using that. It's just that that gets it on the network connection because we communicate 
we don't communicate serially, and IOLink is a serial protocol with the IOTA, so we we communicate across the TCP/IP network. Um, and so those two couplers for them will get it on the network. We really don't care which one. And then you don't have to hook to a PLC. We don't have to set up nodes or anything at that point. Uh, you configure your sensors to decide because those sensors will do all kinds of modes. They'll they'll monitor. They they can monitor individual accelerometers per channel. You have four channels. You can assign them to vibration, individual vibrations, a composite vibration on one channel, so you can use the other ones for humidity and temperature. You know all those kind of things that you can do just in the setup of their sensor. That's not iota stuff. That's their sensor. In the iota, we just read the data in based upon whatever you've assigned, visualize it, and then we can adjust accordingly. Do whatever you okay. want to set it up to do. And so we're pretty excited about that. We've we, Again, we've spent some time. We've got some folks that are really looking at that strongly, and we're getting ready to start doing some installations soon of this. This is new. This is hot off the, the press. That's fantastic. And so, uh, yeah, we, we I'm sure we, we need to have a, a website uh, or webpage on our website. Yeah. Have you named it yet? The website? The, um, the, what, kit, the, the kit. No, no. I'm going to let you do that. <laughs> oh, yes. That is my job, isn't SCM. It? <laughs> that's what it, the IOTA SCM. Oh, Smart yeah. Smart Conditioning, conditioning monitor. Monitoring System. <laughs> you know, and then, then we're, we're planning to, of course, uh, Carrie is, is not necessarily using the ballot. There are plenty of BCM systems, condition monitoring systems out there that we can interface with. But this particular one ties in with our dashboard tool. Oh, 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 and that's okay. the difference—the yeah. visualization. Yeah, uh, he's he's using the I/O to do all the CMMS integration and all the the network calls and all that kind of stuff, as well as interface with with the BCM system that he's using. But as far as our drag and drop dashboard being a direct connect, uh, that's that's one of the differences. Uh, okay, with, with the Balif system. Okay, okay, and so. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a pretty cool thing, and so and a lot of people are talking about it, like you said at the beginning of this podcast. So there how, you go. All right, how are we doing on time? About forty-five minutes, right. maybe a little less. Hey, that's that's a record. It that's pretty good. <laughs> so guys, we've been trying. Beth and I, we get especially me. It's not her; it's me. I get talking and I go down rabbit trails and all this kind of stuff. And next thing you know, it's pushing an hour, and so we're trying to get our times down. Uh, so. This is a great time to tell you our website address. It's www.elatech.com. And also to encourage you guys to, if you like what you hear and you like our podcast, to certainly leave us some comments, especially if there's topics you would like to hear. Uh, or if you've got an issue or a problem that you want to see how I would handle that. Yeah. Those kind of things. But also, we want to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, to give us a five-star review. That helps us get on up the the list with everybody. And then uh, if you're not on Apple, or even if you are, you can subscribe. Uh, you can give us a like, you can share, share the podcast and you all have been doing a great job of that. And we appreciate that. And we're happy to keep sending, uh, sending out these podcasts. They, they, uh, publish what every, every other Tuesday, right? That is correct. Yes. So look for us every other Tuesday. And if you subscribe, then I assume what that means, they'll get notified. you'll get notified of every new, new episode. So, uh, I want to thank all of our listeners and we're, where are we? I haven't asked. I forgot, I forgot to look this morning. <laughs> it's up, 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 it, up. It's do, I, I do appreciate everybody listening. And if you if you enjoy the show, share it. Yeah, yeah. Talk about it. <laughs> well, I actually enjoy listening. So I'm a I'm an active, avid listener. 
Uh, I don't like listening to me necessarily because no one likes to hear themselves speak. It's but, difficult. <laughs> but Beth always fills in the blanks and makes it makes it nice again. So, uh, so yeah. What else we got? Well, that's that's all I have today, Brandon. I appreciate your time, and this this Balif thing's going to be it's. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Well, condition monitoring in general is going to be really good. And this, I was able to follow this episode a little bit better. Than the last one? Than the last one. The the machines, my goodness gracious. (laughs) Yeah, that was an advanced topic that, uh, that, that I think uh, some folks wanted to hear. No, it was good. It's Um, just, I could, for me... It's difficult. My brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> it, it was a, that was a challenge for me to 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 bring it down. Um, honestly, I've been doing motion control for Kali over twenty five years, and so um, even with our younger engineers, when I'm when I'm talking to them, occasionally I'll do do some teaching sessions for our folks uh, when it comes to motion. And you know, I'm, I'm like middle aged man. Uh, you know, back in my day, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but I think there was good things about back in my day because we had to piece the parts together. And so I have an understanding of... You have a of, deeper knowledge of why, of Yeah, why we had to do that. And more importantly, I would always try to take shortcuts just like any young engineer mm-hmm. will try to do. And I saw some crazy stuff happen as a result. And then it was the why did, why did that not work? And so, you know, the... If, if every time you try something, it always works, you're not really learning. Yeah. It's the times that you mess up <laughs> that you, uh, all those mistakes that build wisdom. So happy to share that. I should be wise. I should be very wise then. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, let's wrap up this episode. It's uh, com. And then we're on LinkedIn. What's our? It's uh, elatech-inc or dash. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. And then uh, we're on it. So so just search for Elatech pretty much on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram Twitter, Twitter, and uh, and also LinkedIn. And, and certainly connect with us, follow us, and uh, we'll keep these things coming. So, Beth? Yes, Brandon. Let's get on with spring. What do you say? I, I think that's an excellent idea. And I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Have a great week, two weeks. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Thanks.